You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Luke 14 uh, is a, a very powerful, uh, a very important passage of Scripture. As we are studying uh, the life of Christ, we have seen uh, some miracles. We'll continue with miracles. We've talked about some parables. We have seen how Jesus called the disciples to follow him. Luke 14 may be uh, the most insightful passage in all the Bible concerning Jesus calling disciples. And here's why. In Luke 14, we see a job description. In Luke 14, we see a, a list of requirements of what is necessary in order to be a disciple for Jesus Christ. Now, before we get into the message, I want to make sure I, I lay the groundwork and make it very clear. Becoming a Christian, being born again, being saved by the grace of God is very easy for us because it was very difficult for Jesus. Jesus paid the price. Jesus gave his life. Uh, let me tell you how much God wanted you to be saved. He wanted you to be saved so much that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on Calvary so that all you would have to do is be willing to receive the gift of God. So salvation's easy for us, but it was not easy for Jesus. He paid the ultimate price and he offers it to us freely as a gift. God wants everyone to be saved. Uh, God wants you to be saved today. If you're in this auditorium and you've never been saved, God wants you to be saved. If you're listening uh, on the radio or you're watching online today, God wants you to be saved. Salvation is not just for a select few. Salvation is not just for a certain nationality uh, or a, a, a certain people group. Salvation is for everybody. It's for the rich and it's for the poor. It's for the famous, and it's for the person who is down and out. It is for you and me, whosoever will. It is available for anyone to be saved, and anybody can be saved. Amen. However, when we get to Luke 14, Jesus makes it very clear that not everyone is going to be willing to pay the price to be a disciple. So we've got salvation that is free, but we've got serving God and being sold out for God that is not free. As a matter of fact, it's going to cost you something. I think about years ago, and I don't know what their slogan is now, but Brother Curry, the Marines, their slogan was, we're looking for a few, few good men. You know what the Marine Corps was saying? We're not looking for everybody because not everybody can do it. And that's about what Jesus says in Luke 14 as he sees the multitudes that are following him. They're, they're, they're looking for the miracles. They're wanting to see what Jesus is going to do next. And he says in verse number 25, it says, There went great multitudes with him. And he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. I want to make it very clear, Jesus is not saying that you should hate people. 
Jesus is saying that in comparison, your love for him ought to be greater than any human relationship that you have. And friend, I want to tell you, I hope you love your wife. I hope you love your husband. I hope you love your children. I hope you love your brothers. I hope you love your sisters. I know this. We all love ourselves. <laughs> the Bible says you got to hate your own life also. That goes against nature. We all love ourselves. We all want what's best for ourselves. We all want to take care of ourselves. But Jesus said, if you're going to be a disciple, then he is going to have to be number one. Jesus Christ must have the preeminence. He must be supreme in your life. Verse 27, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Verse number 33, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be. My disciple, our Father, I pray you'd speak to our hearts in these few moments. Help us not to miss these truths. And I pray today that we would have a, a whole congregation of folks this morning that would have a desire and would be willing to make the commitment to get serious about serving you. I pray that we would make the commitment today to be sold out, to be devoted, to be dedicated to serving Jesus Christ all the days of our life. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, I pray today would be the day that they would get saved and that they would have their eternity settled once and for all. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. We need you. We need to hear from you today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like for you to notice with me again in verse 26, Jesus says, If any man... Come to me and hate not his father, mother, wife, children, brethren, and sisters, yea, in his own life also. Notice the end of verse number 26. He cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. In verse 33, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus makes it very clear that not everybody is going to do this. But I want you to go back with me and notice in verse number 26, and I want you to read with me the first three words in verse 26. Ready? Begin. If any man. You know what that means? It means being a disciple is available for everybody, but it means not everybody's going to be willing to pay the price. In March... Of 1967, there was a man, I think I've told this story, I think it's been years ago. But in March of 1967, there was a man who lived in South Carolina. He grew up, he loved hunting, he loved fishing, and he loved sports. He was just a few weeks away from marrying his childhood sweetheart. And this man was coaching college sports in South Carolina, and he was living the dream, getting ready to get married. And he saw something just after, uh, just after uh, plans for the wedding and all those things, he saw something that bothered him. He saw on that college campus where he was employed, he saw some students that had gathered to protest the American involvement in Vietnam, and they were burning an American flag. And that bothered this man. And by the way, I hope stuff like that bothers you. I hope you love this country. I hope you thank God for this country, what it stands for. 
But he was so bothered that he went the next day and he enlisted to serve in the United States Marine Corps. Again, keep in mind, he was just a few weeks away from getting married. He got married, and shortly after he got married, he went into training, and that was March of 1967. In March of 1968, this man was in the midst of combat in Vietnam. This man, his name is Klebe McClary. It's an interesting story. I encourage you to look it up. He was in Vietnam, and he and his men came under a very heavy fire from the enemy, and during the midst of that battle, Klebe lost his left arm. It was blown off by a grenade. He lost his left eye. It was blown out of the socket. His uh, right arm was, was mutilated and his legs were torn to shreds and he was very close to dying there on that battlefield. Miraculously, they were able to get in. They were able to evacuate him and, and the others. They were able to hold off the enemy long enough for that evacuation. Cleve McClary underwent over 30 major surgeries. He spent over two years of his life in the hospital. He went through countless hours of rehab and physical therapy just to get back to a point where he could live on his own. You say, well, what did he do? Well, Cleve McClary, after returning from Vietnam, he devoted his life to trying to help people. He devoted his life trying to encourage and inspire people. And here was his message. He said, what I was willing to do for my country, he said it was worth it. He said, I was willing to help some people. I was willing uh, to, to defend some freedoms. And he said this, it was worth it to do what I did for my country. Friend, I want to tell you, I thank God for folks like that. I thank God for the fact that you and I are here because people have been willing to give their lives to give us the opportunities that we enjoy today. Clay McClary said this, he said, in this world of give and take, there are very few people that are willing to give what it takes. And I want to say this, in Christianity, we have very few people that are willing to give what it takes so that others can be saved, so that souls can be reached, so that people can be helped, so that the gospel can be sent forth. And I'm asking you today on this graduation Sunday, the challenge is not just to our graduates, but this challenge is for all of us today. I want to say this. We need some folks that will sign up and say, yes, I'm saved. Yes, I'm born again. But I want to do something to make my life count for Jesus Christ. I want to be a disciple. Let me give you quickly what it takes to be a disciple. Number one, I see in this passage, you must be willing to follow Jesus. Notice in verse 27, whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me. You know what it takes to be a disciple? You've got to say, I'm not in control and I'm not the one that's in charge and I'm not the one that's calling the shots. I'm letting Jesus lead the way. I'm letting Jesus be the one who directs my path and I'm willing to follow him no matter what. Can I tell you when you follow Jesus, it doesn't always make sense. As a matter of fact, sometimes Jesus will lead you and you'll go through some rough and rocky roads. There will be some difficult terrain and you say, wow, I thought the Christian life was going to be easy. Well, friend, if you thought the Christian life was going to be easy, you didn't read your Bible. And you certainly didn't read Luke 14. If you're going to follow Jesus, it's going to cost you something. 
If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to be willing to pay the price. But can I tell you, it's worth it to follow Jesus. Nobody's ever followed Jesus and come to the end of their life and said, you know, I wish I hadn't served God so much. I wish I hadn't gone to church so much. I wish I hadn't prayed so much and read so much of the Bible. I've never met anybody that said, you know, I've got brain overload. I've just got too much Bible in my brain. Can I tell you, that'll never happen. You'll never get to the end of your life and have regrets for how much you serve God. But I think we will come to the end of our lives and perhaps have regrets for how little we serve God. The Christian life is not an easy life. It's a life that Jesus said is going to cost you something. It's not always easy. Sometimes Jesus leads and the terrain is rough. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's, you feel like you're climbing up a cliff. Sometimes it seems like the progress is slow. Other times, it seems like you're not getting anywhere. My wife and I, we are so, so glad to be home. We had a wonderful time visiting our family and friends in Iowa and Illinois and our children. We had a wonderful time. But how many of you know after a long road trip, it is good to be home? Hallelujah. Brother Brady mentioned in the early service that you just went out west and you had how many thousand miles? 6,000 miles in a bus. In a bus that probably doesn't go much above 55 or 60 miles an hour, I'm guessing. And can I tell you, uh, it, it has been, you sang the song, it's been a long journey, brother, but you're blessed and so are we. But my wife and I, we're so, so glad to be home. But you know what's frustrating when you're on a trip? It's frustrating when you're sitting still in traffic or in construction uh, or you're sitting still like we did. We stopped, in, we stopped in West Virginia to get some food coming back late, late on Thursday night, I guess probably 8 o'clock at night, and we went into one restaurant, and their air conditioning was out. Now, that doesn't sound like much for you, but it's been hot other places of the country. I mean, it's been hot. Air conditioning was out, so I said, well, we'll go next door. We went next door. I'm telling you, it took them, it seemed like an hour to make five cheeseburgers and three french fries and, you know, whatever. And that, well, that was just for me, but no, no. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's frustrating when you got places to go. How many of you, let's be honest, and the people sitting around you know if you're honest, and the Lord knows if you're honest, but how many of you have trouble with patience? Let me see your hands. Okay, now you look around. If somebody's hand is not raised, you mark that name down. We're putting them on the prayer list. Okay, that's a lot of us. We have trouble with patience. And here's the thing. When you're following Jesus, you got to go at his pace. And sometimes... While he's leading you, he's going to take you, and it's going to be a little slow. Sometimes you're going to have to wait. Sometimes you're just going to have to wait on him. And sometimes Jesus will lead you to a place not so much for your sake, but because there is somebody you need to help. Did you think about that when you came to church this morning? That God had something for you, but also God wanted to use you to be an encouragement to somebody else? You know, that'd be a good thing to do when you come to church. Say, not only do I want a blessing, I want to be a blessing. I want to encourage somebody. I want to help somebody. Who can I pray for? Who can I call? I was speaking to one of our shut-ins yesterday, and I mentioned her name in the early service. I won't mention it now online. But I was speaking to her, and as I was talking to her, she said, well, Pastor, I'm so glad you called and all that. But she said, I want to tell you this. She said, our church family, she said, they're the best. She said, I've had so many people calling. I've had so many people checking on me. I've had so many people taking care of things for me. And you know what I'm thinking as a pastor? I'm thinking, praise God. Because I didn't ask anybody to do that. 
Now, Miss Odell, she's always so good about calling and checking and all that. But, but, but this dear lady, I talked to her on the phone, one of our shut-ins, she said, Pastor, she said, our church family is the best. She said, I got people calling and checking and, and bringing things by. And can I tell you, that's why God has left us here. Not so that we can get, but so that we can give. So we can help. Maybe right now, God's placing on your heart somebody that you can help this week. Somebody you can encourage. Somebody that you can be a blessing to. And you know, as you follow the Lord, the Lord's going to lead you to some of those people. He's going to put them in your path this week. There's going to be somebody this week, you're going to say, why in the world am I here? <laughs> to be a blessing, to help somebody, to encourage somebody, to witness to somebody. But number one, if we're going to be a disciple, we must follow Christ. I see, first of all, in following Christ, there must be a proximity. You know, I want to follow close to Jesus. Uh, because the closer I am to Jesus, the better off I'm going to be. As you follow close to Jesus, did you know he takes care of you? Did you know he provides? You can't do it on your own, but he can do it through you. Uh, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. I see that God gives us protection. God gives us his provision. God gives us his power. God gives us a passion. You know why some people don't love Jesus like they should? Because they've never gotten close to him. And the closer you get to Jesus, the more you're going to love him. Now, that's not always true with people. <laughs> Some people, the more you get to know them, the less you like them. The more you get to know them, the more they drive you crazy. And I'm not talking about your family now. I hope you know that. Please don't drive home and say, honey, he was talking about our relationship. You drive me crazy. No, 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 don't do that. But can I tell you, the closer you get to Jesus, the more you love him. Number one, if we're going to be a disciple, we must follow Christ. Number two, if we're going to follow Jesus and be a disciple, we must forsake some things. The Bible says in verse 33, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not... What's that next word? All. Oh, wait a minute. I'd like to follow Jesus, but I'd like to keep some stuff. Well, Jesus says you're going to have to be willing to forsake all if you're going to be a disciple. Forsaking all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. I see there's some things we need to forsake like pleasure. I'm not against having fun. I'm not against having a good time. I'm not against things being enjoyable. But can I tell you, if you live your life for pleasure, you're going to be a disappointed person. Because the pleasures of this life are temporal. As a matter of fact, the Bible says there's pleasure in sin. But it's only for a season. I see we must forsake some pleasures. Demas forsook Paul because he loved the world and he loved the things of the world. But if we're going to be a disciple, we must forsake the pleasures. We must forsake the possessions. Again, I'm not against having stuff. But if your stuff is what drives you and your stuff is the only thing that matters in your life, friend, you've missed it. Because everything that you can put your hands on, everything that is temporal, someday it's going to all be gone. It's going to all burn up. It's all going to pass away. But those things that are eternal, those things that you cannot see, those are the things that will last forever. I see we must forsake pleasure and possessions. We must forsake the past. You know, as Jesus was talking to these disciples, these disciples had to be willing to give up some things in their past. You know, it's sad to me, but some people never serve God because they think that God cannot use them because of the things they have done in their past. Well, I want to tell you this morning, friend, God can use you no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, 
no matter the failures, no matter the mistakes. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. We must forsake the past and we must forsake some people. I'm not talking about being rude. I'm not talking about being obnoxious. But maybe there's some people in your life that have held you back from serving God. You may have to say no to that crowd. You may have to say goodbye to that crowd in order to follow Jesus. He must be willing to forsake all that he hath, or Jesus said he cannot be. My disciple, number three, quickly, to be a disciple, we must be faithful to our cross. It says in verse number 27, whosoever doth not bear his cross. That's not talking about the cross of Calvary. Jesus paid the price for our salvation. But our cross is the purpose and the plan that God has for your life. It's the place where God has put you. It is, it is the job that God has given you to do. It's the ministry. It is the calling that God has for your life. How many of you know that if you're breathing today, God's got a plan for you. God's got a job for you. God has something for you to do. The cross, we must be faithful. It says in this passage that a person must be willing to count the cost. They must be willing to pay the price. They must be willing to win the war. They must be willing to follow through and be faithful to bear the cross that God has for them. And lastly, I see number four. In order to be a disciple, we must be willing to finish our course. Notice verse number 28, 29, and 30. Three times you find the word finish. It says in verse 28, that if somebody is planning or intending to build a tower, nobody starts building a tower without planning to finish. What good is a tower that's not finished? What good is a house that is not finished? What good is a building that's not finished? It's just, it's sitting there. It's useless. And the Bible says that if you're going to build something, you need to finish it. But then it says this in verse number 29, lest happily after he hath laid the foundation... And is not able to finish it, all that behold him begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. You know, I don't want my life to be a mockery. <laughs> I don't want people to look at my life and say, wow, that guy started serving God. That guy started doing something for God. That guy started, but he never finished. I want to finish. But I'm not trying to finish to please people. I'm trying to finish because I want to please the Lord. And as we finish our course, I see God has a path for us to follow. God has a prize. God has crowns for us to win. But I see that the reason we should finish our course is not for people, but for a person. And you say, who is that person that we want to finish for? The Bible says in Philippians 3, 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We're running the race. We're, we're trying to finish our course so that someday we can stand before the Lord and hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. This past week, uh, my wife and I and our family, we had the opportunity to be in uh, Iowa and visit my wife's family and visit some of my family. We had a wonderful time. Uh, as I always do when I'm in the Midwest, I always try to make a point to uh, go by and see my dad's grave. Of course, he's not there. He's in heaven. But when I go by that place there in Geneseo, Illinois, I tell you what it does, it brings back a lot of great memories. But it also, it motivates me. It challenges me. 
on my dad's grave marker, and I've, I've said it before, and you've heard this story before. But on my dad's grave marker, it has a, the word faithful, and that's what my dad was. He was faithful. But then it has one verse listed on the grave marker, and it's 2 Timothy 4, 7. Uh, my wife's uh, mother, her grave marker in Washington, Iowa, has the same verse, 2 Timothy 4, 7. You say, what is that verse? Well, it's a verse that every one of us ought to live for. It's a verse that every one of us ought to give our lives for, and it says this. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course, and I've kept the faith. And friend, I want to finish my course. You say, why do you want to finish? Because I want to get to the end of my life, and I want to be able to say I did my best to serve the Lord. I want to get to the end of my life and say I did my best to be a disciple. I did my best to be serious. I did my best to be sold out for the Lord. While a lot of people are playing games, and a lot of people are very careless in the Christian life, we need some folks that'll be sold out. And we need some people that'll be committed to follow Jesus, no matter the cost. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.